0: follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All right, welcome back to the Finding Backcountry podcast. And I say back because where the heck have we been for for the last, geez, how long has COVID been going on? Uh, we depends have, on what what side of the aisle. You ask. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, we got so much to talk about. Uh, man, in you know, is Biden gonna win the presidency? Can Trump hold on? Is COVID a conspiracy? Was it started by the Democrats to get Trump out of office? There's so much to talk about. What's your position on masks? Yeah, yeah. Are you a masker or a non-masker? Because I'm just gonna come out and say it right now. I, I've worn a mask two times. Okay. And I feel like they're the only two acceptable times that an American should wear a mask in these situations. The first one was my wife and I had a medical procedure, which involved uh, trying to get pregnant. Okay. That's all that we need to talk about there. But in order for me to be in the building, like I into the room, I had to wear a mask. And so it was like, okay, you know, I'll sacrifice for a potential future child. The other was to get past the security guard at shields to get into the front door to buy a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> they, and up in I'm proud, No, down um, in, uh, down in Sandy. Oh, they were requiring them. Well, I mean, let me tell you the story. I kept it on uh, the first five feet to get past the little the little you know summer intern that was guarding the door and as soon as I got through the front gate, uh, it was off and I didn't put it back on and <laughs> I got up to the top and because I used to work there people looking at me like, hey, man, put your mask on. And I'm like, hey, why don't you go jump out that window? And I never did. And I bought a pistol from them. And so they, I think we're okay with it.
1: We do have it pretty good up here in Wyoming, though. we yeah, the naturally socially distant.
0: Yeah, it's surprisingly, you know, this is what, August something, August 5th or whatever. And it's more strict with masks right now than it's ever been up here. Uh, up until this point, you know, it's been pretty laid back because there wasn't ever any like state mandate. And now it's just getting to the point where businesses are kind of posturing and trying to like, you know, we're, we're, we're a virtuous business. And so we require a mask. Well, it's, it's the corporate businesses.
1: None of the local ones really are, but, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm all for their right to choose whether, whether to force their customers, you know, and I'm all for my right to choose to go in, um. Yeah, I don't love the state. And I I think there's good times to wear a mask, to to be fair. I don't don't think it's going to hurt,
0: but I don't. Yeah. You know me, and I'm a libertarian. And I don't I, want
1: the government to tell me to do anything.
0: Right. And I reserve my right to blitz past those businesses' front gates. <laughs> I ran into Albertsons today and had to jo- almost tipped over the sign that said, you must wear a mask. <laughs> ran in, like grabbed any meat that I could get my hands on in the, in the meat section. Came out with some pork pork, loins and some uh bacon and some uh drumsticks and some brats like made a dash around and i and i honestly like you know the irony is like i feel very judged i feel very judged <laughs> by being in there and there's hundreds of people in there with masks on and i'm just like i'm like trying not to look at them because i don't want them to you know uh belittle me and so i just ran like as fa- fast as i could walk in and out got my stuff and just nobody said it's twice now no one said anything <laughs> oh
1: man crazy times yeah it uh hunting season's gonna be a nice relief yeah uh, like i said we've had it pretty good up here where we haven't had a lot of cases we kind of socially distanced just in general <laughs> yeah. being the least densely populated
0: state in the country yeah so yeah i know it's definitely not worth uh talking much more about i don't think i mean it's it's hard not to in the the way things are going right now but yeah it's i i love that meme where it's like you know i don't know it's like republicans democrats and the whole world's like burning and on fire and going against itself and then the bottom half of the meme is like hunters like this tax system, you know, it's like, yeah, a, it's like, yeah. uh, um, Idaho sold out a month earlier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this New Mexico tag system is horse crap. You yeah. know? It's <laughs> like, that's all we're really worried about. Yeah. Meanwhile, the world's burning. So it's great. It's great, man. It's good to be back. Thank you guys for uh sticking with me. You know, it's, it, this podcast is a fine line right now between. I, I love it. I really do. When I like, I have yet. That's not true. There's probably one or two episodes I can think of that. I was like, want to get off this episode as fast <laughs> as I can. Um, but for the, you know, generally speaking, 70 something episodes now, and I've really not had one where I'm like, this is why am I doing this? Because I love it. It's just sitting and BS with your buddies about hunting. And, and so I love it. Um, I want to produce valuable content. I want to put it out there. I think that that's a way that I, I enjoy bringing guests on who know what they're talking about to give back information to people like me and and other people who are trying to get into this like I was at one point. And so I love it. And then the other side of the coin is I do this for free. And so I'm not obligated to do this, you know. And so it's like this, this battle that I go through of like, you know, if something comes up, we moved. We just bought a house down here and it was like, you know, it was just kind of hectic. We we're going through some things at work and stuff and it's like... If I have to push pause, like dang man, it sucks. But I push pause for a few months, and so I, I hope what I hope is that everyone understands, you know. And it's like, um, I, I I will I I will try to be more consistent. We're gonna put this episode out. I've got another one in the queue that is, I think is pretty legendary. I mean, I've I've got a guy coming on the next episode here that, to my knowledge, has been on one another one other podcast, and the hint that I will give is he is a mule deer legend with a couple of books to his name at least on the subject i mean this guy is a guy i looked up to for the, since i got into this first know? book i read when i got yeah. when
1: i moved out west it was uh
0: yeah he's a legend he's yeah.
1: a solid solid dude and probably knows more about mule deer than anybody yep yep and, and killing it's ex- big it's, ones
0: it's exciting because anyway we'll leave that for, for the next one, leave you hanging there. So you'll have to do, tune back in next week, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just, you know, thanks for being patient and yeah, man, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, I'm trying to, I'm getting settled into a, a new house and just some new stuff and try to get, but we'll try to get more consistent here. And so, um, man, what, uh, let's just jump into like tags. I mean, what, what transpired this year with like I? So l- let me back up. I got Corey on. If you couldn't tell by the laugh, he's been on enough times, people probably recognize his laugh at least or his voice. Um, what's transpired between myself and Corey this year is nothing short of just an incredible story. Um, you want to take it from there? Sure. So, uh,
1: I moved, uh, I was, I've been at Crispy Boots for a couple years or not quite and um, there in Salt Lake, packed up the family. Um, Dustin's been up at Gunworks for about the same amount of time I was at Crispy, and most of that time he's been leaning on me to get up here. Had a uh, beautiful little baby girl in November, um, decided to get out of the city and moved up to Cody or Powell, Wyoming uh, in March. yeah Yeah. which in turn made me a non-resident everywhere this year and so with you know i've got an eight month old now so if there's any any time to not draw tags it's you know now's a pretty solid time but but i mean you don't ever want to draw no tags (laughs) that is correct (laughs) i don't care how many kids you have so uh dustin and i look forward to application season every year we're on the phone, texting, chatting pretty much weekly while all the apps are coming out, and we're trying to game plan. And I, I've got some a decent amount of points in a lot of states, and I feel like I had a hand to play,
0: and I played it horribly. We And we pride ourselves. I'll, I yep. will say we pride ourselves on being like, you know, having plans. and Like, I'm going to draw this tag this year, and like being able to pull tags and knowing what we're probably going to get and having, you know, the right amount of tags and stuff. Man, we swung and missed three strikes and we were out on Corey. I yeah, on yeah, Corey. Yeah.
1: No, we we put a lot of effort into yeah. putting ourselves in a position to you oh. know
0: get get points, all of that. And yeah. I stepped up after Corey struck out and I hit it out of the park. Yo, Grand <laughs> slam. Polar opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so poor Corey, non-resident of every state, which already puts you back. You know, you're always at best odds is drawing a tag in your own state. He had no home, basically, as far as hunting licenses were concerned, and so, man, I don't know, like Utah, like you kind of went for the stars there a little bit, but it was like you had some points, and so it wasn't crazy. Like, uh, the time, the timing was off because I, I
1: had, I knew I had a reasonably good chance at having a good elk tag in Utah, and per the rules, I could have applied as a resident and drawn even though I would be moving up in that time. Well, prior to that, Wyoming decided to move their elk apps where you had to have them in by January 31st. I was juggling between Wyoming and Utah and I kind of have been for a few years. I don't want to draw both in the same year. I don't want to, you know, but I want to have one cause I don't want to keep pushing it off like I have. So this year we decided in january that i'm going to put wyoming elk off a year and i am going to go after this utah tag that i was pretty certain i could draw
0: sorry what it was with wyoming they've always had a non-resident deadline of the 31st it was you had to front all of your um uh you had to front all the money i think or something for like four or five months remember that was the weird thing
1: well no what it was was the original game plan was i think they would release those elk tags both bef- and i could have apply for utah that's right yeah they pushed
0: it back a little bit so
1: you had like a five-month window before you found out and the timing was such that like i couldn't turn one in if i drew the other so i decided okay i'm guaranteed to draw this utah limited entry tag so i'm going to hunt that this year in that gap we found out that i was moving up here didn't think i was going to have the time and the kicker was That old Dustin (laughs) decided to draw a Expo moose tag in the state of Utah, which would have overlapped dates.
0: Yeah. So that, because we knew about that so early, it kind of was affecting things. It was like, well, like, geez, we got this moose tag in the middle of September and it's kind of a once in a lifetime. And, you know, we're kind of, you know, we'll go hunt general tags on our own and stuff like that. But if someone draws a limited entry, that's like, you know, 10 plus years or a once in a lifetime or. Or in my case, pulls a rabbit out of his hat on this Utah Expo uh, moose tag, um, you know. It's like we're all kind of gonna want to be there, you yeah. know. So yeah, I yeah. Don't wanna,
1: I yeah, I'd much rather hunt that the one or two times we'll get a hunt moose together. So right. it it made sense. Uh, bust out your violins. The <laughs> the Wyoming deer tag I thought I was guaranteed fell <laughs> through, and Idaho over the counter elk tags, which is always my back pocket. Sold out two days before that mule deer tag mm-hmm. fell through, so it, it was kind of one of those perfect storms.
0: That where like the worst? Here's yeah. something that we—I'll be honest—I did not, and we—I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. Okay, um, I think a lot of hunters across the West, ourselves included, were pretty sure that because of COVID hitting, the economical effect of that would keep people from applying. I did. I certainly did. 100%. Like yep. we were thinking if you would ask us in like March slash April, it was like, Oh dude, this is the year because yep. guys aren't going to be able to fork up hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars for some of these tags and apps and yada, yada, yada. Um, the exact opposite happened. I'm pretty sure from what I've seen and heard across the board in almost every Western state apps were up <laughs> 30, 40%, 30, 40% simply because people started walking into grocery stores and not being able to buy beef. And I think crap got real for a lot of people there for a minute. Like, Whoa, wait a minute. Okay. My dad used to hunt when I was a kid. I haven't hunted in 15 years. I've got a family to feed here. Oh yeah. Like I remember how this is really done. If you want to always have meat in your freezers, you go out and kill your own. And Tag applications just exploded across the West at least. Yep.
1: No, for sure. And the over the counter stuff like in Idaho that was capped, it was sold Oof. out way earlier than it ever is. And yeah, it uh I know we were trying to pull general rifle tags for a couple buddies, uh, for elk, which is like capped at fifteen thousand but never sells out until like August. And opening morning there, like three weeks ago. There was, we were number at one point, 215,000 in line. It's like, how does that even work? There's only 15,000 out tags. How many
0: tabs do people have open? I wonder. All of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it, uh, yeah, it was, I was convinced w- in March and April, which is most states application deadlines. There was a ton of uncertainty. Uh, you couldn't find toilet paper. Yeah, I remember um, those days? And I, I was, I, if I was a betting man, which I am, I would have put money down that like seven point units were going to take four to draw and i'm just thinking all these non-residents coming from iowa or texas or wherever driving to colorado i figured at that point during app season it's like am i going to have a job can i afford it but yeah it uh it went the exact opposite direction i expected
0: you know and And so, and, and he's right. I mean, I was, I'm converted over to a resident of Wyoming. Now everyone remembers my fiasco from last year. Okay. That was not fun. Like the elk point situation and like shooting myself in the foot there. Well, total redemption this year, we over the counter deer tag that we hunt in areas now that take non-residents probably eight or nine, maybe 10 points this year. I don't even know. Um, so we, you know, my wife and I will get that over the counter. Uh, did you know that the great state of Wyoming will let a resident? You can legally legally kill up to six antelope a year. I found that out when I moved here. Yeah, and I'm that looking doesn't even forward count to it the ones you, you hit with your truck on accident. <laughs> yeah, like six antelope a year, two doe, four does total, and two bucks if you get them in like the leftovers. You know, in some of the less desirable units for some of those. Crazy. Anyway, so we drew we put We put in for those just because they're so much fun, honestly <laughs> yeah. um and we hunt this unit right outside of, of Cody, and it's like you tip them over at you know five fifteen after work, you know it's super fun, but um so we my wife and I both drew two antelope tags, doe tags, each, so that's four antelope, then we pulled a couple of bomber uh wyoming elk tags, uh type one elk tags, and I think that's all, um, for Wyoming. And then, so then I had the, um, you know, the Utah, I even, so, (laughs) oh man. So then as if that wasn't enough, I put in an app most years for Idaho and I'll just shoot for the stars. I mean, like units that like really good units or whatever, really good dates or whatever. thinking like, you know, 5%, I'm not going to draw a 5% tag or whatever, I drew a 5% elk tag. So I'm sitting on like, we got three elk tags, a moose tag, um, you know, a few, a couple deer tags. And it just got to the point where it was like, holy cow. Well, that the way those Idaho elk tags work is you, you on the limited ones, you draw the right to buy it. And so it sits there, you know, it's kind of like how the expo tag was for me. That $5 permit at the expo, by the way, Don't let them confuse you. It's not a five dollar tag. It's a five dollar right to buy the fifteen (laughs) hundred and eighteen fifteen eighteen dollar tag, right? And so, anyway, that's how the Idaho tag was, and um was strongly considering it. Was on was planning on it. It's it was like a December elk tag. I mean, not the time that I'm really choosy, like choosing to be in the in the mountains chasing elk or whatever. But whatever, like I think it was a, a decent tag. Well, what really like, I ended up not buying that and it just got turned in and someone's probably going to get it now because, and I think what the valuable thing from this um, little little episode here, this spiel that we're talking is what we were able to end up doing for Corey mostly. And then I just kind of piggybacked on um, to get him a tag on a year where, and maybe you guys will find yourself in this situation where you just strike out in three, four or five different draws that you thought you were going to get a tag. You know, maybe you're moving, you're a non-resident of all these States or whatever. And the point and the valuable thing to remember is there is always a way to get a tag. I'm convinced, you know, like even when they all sell out and even when, you know, there's, you don't get, don't draw the 65% odd tag that you thought you were going to get, you know, there's still a way to get a tag. And, we found that in Colorado on this leftover on this leftover draw yeah just
1: yesterday so this tells you how good a hunting buddy I have in <laughs> Dustin He's talking about turning in his Colorado deer tag and this Idaho elk tag which I would I mean that Idaho elk oh, tag it yeah. be you, hold on I drew a Colorado deer tag first. I know you did yeah we didn't even talk about that one <laughs> yeah.
0: I also drew a Colorado
1: deer tag okay continue <laughs> and uh, all the tags Dustin's like I don't know when I'm gonna have time to hunt this and we've got you know these hunts are stacking up him and I leave for New Mexico Tuesday you know next week to go it's a work trip but we're gonna go play and watch people shoot antelope it's really tough we got to go shoot
0: guns and tip antelope
1: yeah these next couple three months are going to be crazy and he's all of a sudden got like eight out of state tags (laughs) and has a lot of money wrapped up into them and so he's like i think i'm going to turn in this december elk tag which in all fairness doesn't conflict with like anything uh and so he's getting ready to not buy this idaho elk tag and we come across the leftover colorado And we work for Gunworks, and I love (laughs) muzzleloaders. And there happened to be a unit um, that had a leftover deer tag for muzzleloader and a leftover elk tag for muzzleloader, which, a little bit about Dustin and I, we were both diehard elk guys, and then Dustin switched over to the dark side. I
0: went to a higher place, and now I'm addicted to mule deer.
1: (laughs) So September, muzzy elk. Colorado September muzzy deer. Yeah, Colorado, same unit and this guy decides <laughs> let's go hunting. Yeah. So he turns in a fantastic elk tag and I'm I now have a hunt. And I man, I had an awesome hunting season lined up. I just wasn't going to pull a trigger, but yeah. I am um, we were hooting and hollering and hugging and high-fiving because it, the tags were limited and
0: No, it, I mean uh, it, like You're just crazy if, you know, if you've got a good hunting buddy and you're not willing to, you're not at least interested in, you know, a chance at drawing a tag where you can both kind of go pound the backcountry, you know, and and hit the hills and like take llamas, you know, backpack in, um, you know, probably camp at a relatively neutral spot. uh, And, you know, I'll go look up at the top of the peaks for deer and he'll go look in the bottom of the valleys for elk. And, and so we might do some hunting separate, but together, you know, so yeah, it was just, it was like, well, you know, I was considering turning back that mule deer tag in Colorado anyway. And so, um, you know, just pulled the trigger and decided to do that. And then knowing that, you know, that, that leftover draw to thing is I'm sure a lot of guys out there understand, like it is competitive and, you know, we, we got lucky and and so it was like you know whatever if we wouldn't have picked those up i had we had plenty of other hunts to go on or whatever but it worked out and so you know we'll push some stuff back but yeah man that so that that colorado you know that that muzzy deal like um you know good segue into like some of the gear um that we're getting excited about using and and that just brings up this the first one i think that we want to talk about is um, this, this exo site from work that we, uh, that Aaron kind of developed. And this is not a sales pitch by any stretch. I mean, you can take it as that or whatever. I just like cool stuff. And like he said, you know, we've gone on a lot of muzzleloader hunts prior to this. Um, I, I hunted some over the, or some open site muzzleloader hunts as a kid in Nevada. Um, but haven't really like drawn a, a tag or, gone after any tags where i would purposely need to use open sites since then um and and this was just a perfect opportunity so um your your job here at work was like putting the pieces together to build this thing so maybe you can kind of explain a little bit better like what the function is and why this is so special yeah absolutely so
1: um i walked in in march and started hearing like murmurs of this and aaron aaron's been developing this site for some time so um but getting all the pieces parts and getting everything machined and getting everything dialed was kind of one of the first projects i was put on and uh yeah so so what it is is and it i got super excited when i saw it like when i finally got to play with it and touch it and different things like we had a prototype there i'm like oh man and Dustin was just talking about how he hasn't like drawn or gone after it's like well that was a limiting factor for us like I in all sincerity like slapping a CVA open Muzzle or I'd rather just go chase
0: 100 yards it. 150 yards yeah, just
1: give me yeah. my bow Yeah, you know <laughs> so it uh you know it kind of opened the door for us for some of these tags uh you know Nevada Idaho and Colorado um specifically is what we're super interested in and uh Essentially it's you know if you think about a turret on like a long range rifle scope it looks just like that it mounts to the picatinny on the rear of your rifle and it's got a little peep coming out of the top of it and little you, post you turn that turret it's got MOA out to like 30 which is way more than the you'll ever, you'll ever need for a muzzle takes
0: you to 5 600 yards at least
1: and so it's essentially just an adjustable peep sight um but like a new school and it's, you know Aaron did a fantastic job with it and I am tickled to death to go hunt with it and this Colorado hunt is you know it's you know for those of you that don't know there are some states out west that won't let you put an optic on your gun and so some most of the muzzle loaders on the market right now kind of have chintzy sights on them and uh this is just like a whole new game you know hop on the website check it out it's not cheap because gunworks makes it and aaron didn't want to sacrifice anything you know, anything on it and so but it, it's it, bomb proof and it, it it's feels, a perfect solution
0: it feels and it reminds you of an exact turret off of a three thousand dollar scope you yeah. know i played with a lot of three thousand dollar plus scopes and the turret and the the click you know the i mean it just feels like a turret cut off of a $3000 scope and that's basically what it is. Yeah. Uh so super cool. Just you know you're basically you're probably going to be limited most by just the animal. Just yeah, your open sight being able to see it, you know, there it's it's a cool system. Um you know if you have more questions, call me call me at work or if it's not like that, you can, you know, you can hit me up with a direct message or whatever. So love to chat about it, but it's super cool. Just genuinely, whether I was working for Gunworks or not, just like, it's cool. Every once in a while a product comes along that's just like, man, like that is just awesome. And that's, uh, XL is one of them. So. Yeah.
1: And it, it just opens the door to like the interest on some of these tags that, you know, you get a, in Colorado, you get a hunt elk with a muzzy in September, Yeah, you know, and I love chasing them with a bow. Um, but you know, with limited time because of other hunts and work and a eight month old daughter, like it, uh, you know, you can kind of shorten a hunt up, you know, raise the likelihood of success and, you know, be a lot more competent shooting at critters. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to September 12th being in the back country with Dustin and a couple muzzies.
0: Yeah, that's going to be sweet. And maybe a few llamas too. Um, So I got my hands on one of these MSN, MSR wind burners. um, And I've, I've been on, I don't know, a couple, two, three uh, like solid backpack trips. Now I was using a Jetboil. Uh, I didn't have any problems with it until I started having problems with it. And I don't know if it was just the age or, you know, whatever, but, you know, and I'd heard the rumblings of like, Oh, I don't support Jetboil. They're anti-hunting and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Part of me with those conversations is like, well, what better way to shove it up there than to get it and use it to hunt and kill stuff, <laughs> right? Right. But I was like, you know, I'm, you know, it's, it was silly to me. I'm not going to go out. I already had a jet boil for years, and it was like I'm not going to go out and just buy a new one for no reason. But I will buy one if this one craps out, which it did. And so I went and got that uh, wind burner. And uh, the boil time—that was the first thing that I noticed. Like, a the boil time is just flat out fast like it is I've never seen it boil 16 ounces of water for like a uh uh or a, a freeze dried meal as fast as that thing does and then I really like just kind of the um you know the organization of how it goes back together um is important for me because you know with that jet boil is like you could get some stuff inside but it didn't really all compact like totally And that wind burner, like it's designed to, there's a little mat that you put down in the very bottom of the cup. And then you take one of those mini uh, fuel canisters. It goes upside down to to the bottom. And then the uh, midsection with the actual stove goes upside down over the top of that uh, that fuel canister. And then on top of that, there's a little three-pronged base that folds up into itself into a little triangle and then sinks right down in the middle of all that. And then purposely like, uh, sits in there so you can put the lid back on. Um, but just super well thought out. Um, it boils extremely fast. Like at first I was like, man, only being able to put a small canister in there, I'm going to have to pack an extra. I, I really think, Then on a seven day hunt, you could get by with just one canister. It's that fast. Like it's crazy. Um, you know, if it was real cold outside, maybe a little different story, but we'll see. I haven't, I haven't used it long enough to burn through one canister to see how many, uh, boilings or whatever, but I'm excited about that one. Um, what else? Oh, I've been packing it last couple trips. Um, you got a 44 mag from Kafaru. I did. I got a 44 mag. Have you gotten to take yours out at all? Yeah. Yep. No, I've been running around a little
1: bit with it. Not as much as I'd like, just light hikes with, you know, Amelia and Mm -hmm. different things. And it, uh, then that bear hunt we went on with those guys and it, uh, it's exactly what I'd expect. You know, I, Dustin and I've been running the 22 mag since like 2015 or 16. Whenever we went on your limited entry elk hunt was, I think the first year we ran that Mm -hmm. and you know, love the 22 mag. One of the pieces of the 22 mag for us was, and we, we both have other packs from, you know, but you know, we like the support of the 22 mag. Um, some of our hunts, it just wasn't quite big enough. You know, you get on a seven day hunt and Dustin's a big dude. So he wears an XL and all of his clothes and it, uh, it fills up pretty quick. And the way we've the solution to that is, if you want that lightweight of pack or to use that for everything, has always been for me is throw
0: all my food in a game bag and put it between the frame and the pack, um, and or the meat after you kill, along with hanging stuff off the bottom and the back even and yeah, yeah we,
1: just but that that forty four mag I mean it's got the pockets I've got the is it the reckoning mm-hmm. in which I've liked the reckoning but I was so spoiled by the pockets on the 22 mag on the inside the webbing where you could you know just leave a first aid kit you know your spoon had its place and i really like that Um, zipper
0: access on these 44 and the 22 mags like up on the top oh man it's just yeah you can't beat it so i uh, so my initial impression on that 44 mag was i i didn't like how so if you've seen both the zipper on the 22 mag doesn't come up and go all the way around the back, um, up by your neck and on the 44, it does And at first. It drove me crazy because, you know, it's like you almost, if you're in and out, in and out, in and out, it just becomes kind of like, I don't know. It's just different, sure. um, function wise than the 22. But my consensus after running it for a weekend is, and it, and it makes complete sense. The 44 mag is built to do longer hauls yep. with more stuff where you might you know you're going in deeper or you're staying there longer and so you know you're not necessarily in and out of it as often it's just built for longer hauls um and that's the way the zipper configuration is built on there you can tell that that's what they were thinking when they were doing it is uh just longer hauls and stuff like that so um yeah i i fell in love uh it is going to be tough if we have a hunt that's less than five days long to get that 22 mag off my back and you probably won't but i am the same way like this is a no-brainer for any hunt you know five plus days yeah
1: especially when we have llamas on some of those shorter hunts like i just that 22 mag it's just it's home to me and i still want to break it kind of like i broke most of the packs i've owned so it's like Now I'm going on fifth or sixth season on it, and like what's
0: got to be dozens of boned out, who knows what, you know, bulls and bucks. Yeah,
1: and it it's you know I've washed it once or twice I think. Uh, I did break a buckle by slamming it in the car door while we were bear hunting yeah terrible
0: engineering yeah I mean, yeah freaking snyder, on, snyder. Fix
1: that you guys can't even withstand a car door slamming kit but with it. other than that like i'm <laughs> i'm with you that 22 mags just they're just indestructible yeah. yeah and it uh it's still my favorite pack and probably the pack i'll use the most yeah. the honestly all the hikes i've been on i would rather have my 22 mag i just had like a new toy that i had mm. to play with yeah. so and get used to and flush out and Yeah, it, uh, yeah, I'm glad we got different colors this year (laughs) because, yeah, we always struggle. I put put Dustin's on and the waistband's all wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's built for a man. (laughs) Uh, so I've been playing another piece of gear I've been playing with is a new tripod, and I thought it was sitting in here and it's not. Um, so I went tripod shopping over the winter and had basically um narrowed it down to oh there was like a slick maybe the 630 something or the 730 something can't remember which one and then there was a Siriu or Siriu or however you say that uh which Jason ended up getting and then I was like you know for this exact purpose um there was a third one that I'd kind of stumbled on that wasn't like real prevalent on some of the hunting sites or whatever. Um, but it was a pro mat. It got pretty good reviews. It's called the ProMaster XC 525M, M I believe. And so I've ran this thing, you know, if you want to get a look at one, just Google it real quick, but I've been running this thing now for, I don't know, five, six months, a handful of times. And I don't like it. Really? I don't, I don't like it. There's a couple things I don't like. And one of them is I don't like the double uh twist locks on the center column. I don't like it. It's it's like there's too much there. I only need one, like it didn't need to be there. It just doesn't need to be there. And it's you the problems that I have with it is you go to twist one and guess what happens? Like half the time the other one either your hand catches it or it just twists also or whatever, and so it just it just turns into a problem. Um, this is probably user error, but I can't quite get the top head to like cinch, like really lock down. It's really like there's, there's a place to put a wrench around the top, the head itself, but then nothing else. There's nowhere else really. I don't think to like put a wrench. And so it's like, I'm just hand tightening it basically, you know, and it just doesn't work. And you know how spotters on there and you're like up down in your pack you know you're hauling it all over the mountain and stuff and those things just get swinging you know if they're not locked on their solid or whatever so i haven't loved that then to top that all off one of the um one of the rubber pieces on the uh you know on the i'm trying to find it here one of the rubber pieces on the legs just popped off Like it just broke on me and, you know, it was just like, man, you can just see that. I don't know if it's like made in China or, you know, if it's just cheap or what the case was, but one of those little center columns just popped off on me and I wasn't impressed with that. And so, you know, here I am like, I'm just, I just wasn't impressed like three strikes kind of a thing and you're out. Um, so yeah, you know, if I'll just probably be getting another tripod. I'm kind of been eyeing one of those outdoorsmen. Yeah,
1: good reviews. Yeah, I uh, I need to up my lightweight tripod game. I uh, I've been kind of looking at a couple of the Leo Photo ones, but I th- I think that outdoorsman checks a bunch of the boxes for me. So yeah, I need. I didn't think I was going to be <coughs> hunting this year, so I haven't been rounding up much for new gear. I thought I got the pack just because I knew I was going to be packing moose out.
0: <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the ProMaster. Not overly, I mean, it was about the same price. Honestly, it was probably net net. It was a little cheaper. It came with its own um, kit head, and I sold it instantly because it was just a cheap ball head and got a decent amount of money for it 75 bucks or 100 bucks or something. I can't remember. Um, just turned around and flipped it. So, like, the whole thing with the kit head was like less than 300 bucks. And so, I mean, I'm probably not, I'm probably into that less than, you know, whatever, $200 maybe, $2, 225 So, relative to the price, like, you know, it's, it's whatever, but I don't care if it's, you know, crap's breaking on it and it just yep. isn't functioning right. So, yeah. And then I guess what else? That leaves us, um, you got some new, new shoes on. You got some Mativas, those, uh, the crispy stuff. Uh, they were nice enough to still send, yeah. <laughs> send it some shoes after Corey left.
1: Dude, um, Dustin dragged me up here. Yeah, no, I'm still, uh, I went out on very good terms. Those, both the owners and all the guys there, like, I still think the world of. And yeah. they kind of knew that the city was getting too big for me. And honestly, I made my exodus, like, perfect timing in March. Like, right as, like, people were fighting over toilet paper, I was driving to Wyoming. So, had an earth, literally packing the house, had an earthquake. like in the midst of a global pandemic and You're i was like you like, guys later <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no the the boys at crispy certainly understood and they uh yeah i still i was wearing their boots well before i worked there and i'll wear them for a long time after and yeah i've uh got a pair of the tevas before i rolled out of there they're new like kind of lightweight uh trail hikers uh slash kind of a I run trail it. running all, shoe. I, all i've used mine for is running and it you know it's a it's a little bit heavier than like some trail running shoes but um, so am i i'm a little bit heavier than most trail runners yeah so these these have a legit board last in them the they hold up i've worn these like i i have no idea how many days now and the
0: the tread pattern still holding up well for me the um, well, the only, like, looks like the only, like, you know, uh, mesh or whatever that you might see on another trail, really lightweight, like, trail running shoe is is just in the over the top of the toe box, you know, yeah. where the laces cinch up at the bottom. Everywhere else is, like, super heavy-duty uh, Rand or a lightweight leather, you know, yep. that's, like, it just is, it, like you said, you can't, there's no wear and tear on those, so.
1: Had I worn a tennis shoe, you know, I wear Brooks and a6 and different things had i worn a tennis shoe this many miles i would have compressed the sole and thrown them away by now and yeah. these are still 100 percent supportive and they're not gore tex so they breathe well um so yeah i'm i'm all about it and then i also um i wore i've only got maybe four or five hikes on them but they redid their brick stall this year uh which i am gonna you know, kind of gloat a little bit here. I had a lot to do with. I'm pretty proud of it. But there's their old brick stall was one of my favorite boots. I'm still kind of a guide guy. Um, but for a little bit lighter weight, lower top, uh, more breathable boot, their brick stall was one of my favorites. But I didn't love the lacing design. It was very Euro. Um, and several of the guys there agreed with me, and we ended up kind of moving some laces around. They released it in a non-insulated, uh, when we go down to New Mexico, it's like the no-brainer boot. You still get the durability of leather. You get some aided breathability and drop some weight in the tongue, being nylon, um, a little bit stiffer than the guide. And I it's probably what I'll wear in September, too. I I don't get very far away from my guides, but it uh, they hit the nail on the head, in my opinion, bringing that in in a non-insulated and kind of fixing some of the lacing stuff that not everybody had an issue with. but it's it's the sleeper boot in their lineup in my opinion it's a little bit lower cost everybody always complains about the weight of leather boots but you lose durability if you go away from synthetic or if you go to a synthetic. synthetic yeah so it's it's to me a really happy medium and there's some guys who have figured it out but i you know i work in there i know the sales numbers and that it was a good seller in my opinion it should have been a great and i hope that non-insulated version will bring it there because guys are like it's a good boot for a lot of guys yeah
0: well you try to get me to switch to them or try them and the only way that's going to happen is if they discontinue the nevadas they would not only have to discontinue the uninsulated nevadas they would have to burn their entire remaining (laughs) supply of size 10 and a halfs because I dare I would jump on a plane and fly to Italy uh, to get the remaining inventory of size 10 and a half uninsulated Nevadas. It's just the best boot that's ever been made, period. Fun fact. That, that I've that I've worn. I know you guys right. are already like, oh he isn't worn every boot. Well, that I've worn it's the best boot I've ever worn. Fun fact you couldn't fly to Italy to get those
1: because they've never they've been building that boot for like 30 years I would they, whittle
0: I would cut down a tree and whittle <laughs> a canoe and I would I would swim slash canoe myself across the ocean well the I was just saying for
1: 30 years they've built that boot they never built it in a non-insulated the Kendall and Mark convinced them to build that non-insulated. The Italians looked at them cross-eyed like they were crazy. And that, you know, that uninsulated outsells the insulated
0: oh. by, by far. I, know, used, the- I used to run the first couple pairs I had <laughs> right? <laughs> were, were the insulated, you know, and it was like, I, I, I cut my teeth in wildland fire where your feet were just on literally, not literally, sometimes literally on fire. And so the heat, Sweating, all that kind of stuff it didn't bother me really. Like, yeah. but, um, and so, you know, the 200 gram equivalent model, the originals were okay, but yeah, these are just like absolute nailed it. I, I like that 200 gram as an all
1: around, but it, yeah. uh, it, you know, that non insulated is a fantastic boot. And it's one of the things I loved about working at Crispy was just the fact that those, the relationship they have with Italy they can listen to what the u.s market wants Mm -hmm. and really pivot quickly and you know bring you know what we actually want into the country and you know kendall's hunts harder than kendall gets after it yeah he's you know he's a one percenter in that world and he he gets it so it uh yeah that so you can't fly to italy to get some but i'm sure they will continue to make them
0: okay good no one has to get hurt then (laughs) Okay we're gonna leave leave them with uh one story each you gotta I'm putting you on the spot you've gotta just you gotta tell just you got three minutes to tell a good hunting story. I'll start so years ago, when I was a less than adequate bow hunter, and I probably still am, I hit an animal once and we were looking for it and the first thing we found was my arrow, half of my arrow okay. And so, if you ever, like, hit an animal, waited, went down where the arrow, where you hit him, found the arrow, and then started working a blood trail, right? The first thing we did is we found the arrow, and it was the front half that had passed through, pretty much, I think. And then, you know, the back half was probably cut off and broke off inside or something. Or it had, or the arrow had probably only penetrated two-thirds or whatever, and then broke off and then worked its way out or something. So, End up stumbling on half of this arrow that had been inside of a bull's, you know, around its chest cavity. And sweet, like, okay, we're on this blood trail. And I picked the arrow up and we start just following uh, what little blood there was. And it didn't last long to where, you know, all of a sudden we're like slowing down from kind of a walk to just like one step at a time. Oh, there's some. And then all of a sudden we're like, you know, walking a couple of feet and there's some and like, there's a drop. And then it was like, we're on our hands and knees searching, searching. So at, if you've been a part of one of those search parties and there's three or four guys there, you usually split off, you know, and you kind of start following. You I, I like to take a step back and like look holistically at the mountain side or the trail system or whatever and be like, okay, you know, if I was a hit bull, am I going to like kind of veer down this trail or up or whatever? So I think I think whoever is there, we'd split up, and so I kind of go off, and we're just really struggling to find any blood, and I kind of veer off on this new path, thinking, man, that bull, maybe he went downhill right here, and nothing, nothing, and then I so I'm like, well, you you know, you go down the trail a little ways, and then you usually backtrack to where you last saw blood, and so I went down a little ways, and I started backtracking, I'm like, oh, I start coming across blood again, and I'm like okay, perfect. Like it, I just missed this, you know? And so same deal. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like telling guys, I'm like, I'm on the right track. Like they come down and we kind of do the same thing and we peters out and then we all disperse. And, you know, this happens like two or three times We're like, I'm kind of going down a path. Everyone else kind of went up or, you know, up around this tree or that tree. And I'm kind of walking my own path and, you know, like lose it, lose it, no blood. And then I turn around and I'm heading back and I'm like, fricking there's blood right there. Well, that went on about five or six times. And then finally something like, I think I had that arrow in my hand and I must've like flipped it or something like that. And like, I saw a splat of blood just come out of the tube of the arrow and then it hit me. And I realized that I had been dripping the freaking <laughs> arrow with a little bit of blood behind me, like a breadcrumb the whole time And every one of those was just a a hocus pocus, like me just dropping. There's just a little bit of blood in the tube of the arrow. And I'm like dropping blood and then like turning back. Oh, there's a blood. Like, (laughs) oh, there it is. Every time I walk down here and come back, there's more blood. Like, oh, what a terrible, stupid, stupid, like put it in your quiver or. You know, that wouldn't have even worked. Just, I don't know, just leave it back where you shot the bull or something, but you can't be packing and dripping blood (laughs) off the arrow as you're looking for more blood. Did you find the bull? No. No, we didn't. We didn't. It happens to the best of us.
1: Yeah. So I got one from last year. Oh, boy. I, uh, September 5th, tore an ACL, goofing (laughs) off, and I shouldn't have been. I had a good season planned out. Um decided to just brace it up wait till after the season to have surgery so that i could make it through hunting season of course Nat- of course, naturally, naturally. <laughs> um and went into idaho a couple llamas um, just couldn't quite get it done had to push my hunt back from i think i was planning on leaving like two weeks after i tore it and pushed it back to the very end i uh, had a good hunt didn't get it done uh, just couldn't really, I couldn't keep up with him in that terrain and do what I needed to do. Um, helped one of my best good friends growing up, kill his first bull on a general tag, which was awesome. Helped another guy get his first year. Um, got to do some running around and really thought I was done hunting after like October and went on the Muzzy elk hunt there in Utah we had fun and, you know, I did what I could. It, uh, I got a phone call at work from one of the guys at work. He had shot a Utah general bull just right there on the Wasatch. And I had had the llamas in town, so they were seeing if I still had them. I didn't. Offered to go help pack. Um So I went in up there, took a couple loads of elk um, off the mountain. And when I showed up, the guy who, who I'd gotten to be friends with, but not to the point where I was like going to sit in on his spot. Right, I still have a general elk tag at this point in my pocket it's november um and jason just offered up a spot i went in there to help him pack i gave him the speech before like hey i'll erase this spot from my memory you got a good thing going here i can't
0: see me in here without you yeah
1: yeah yep, kind of gave him the disclaimer because we were still kind of getting to know each other at work but we're we connected pretty easily and um went in helped him pack and that that guy, I don't know where it came from. Cause 99 out of a hundred guys wanted to have done it, but he's like, dude, you're about to have a kid. Like come, come on in here. You know, if you want to hunt this weekend and he had tree stands up, um, which was great for a guy with a bum ACL. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I don't, back
0: back to your Iowa roots. <laughs> back to my Iowa. Felt <laughs> right at home. <laughs> I
1: I can literally remember telling oh, Mark Smith yeah. at one time. He asked me about setting tree stands up on the Wasatch. I can tell him. I'm like, if I ever try to shoot an elk out of a tree stand, I'm moving back to Iowa. And there I am. <laughs> so there I was <laughs> yeah, sitting so in a tree I stand am. hunting
0: elk on the Wasatch.
1: <laughs> so I I hike in there that next Saturday morning, which was a couple days later, and like i hadn't been in the tree stand for 30 minutes bear in mind i don't have a utah bowl to my name at this point and i'd lived there for seven years and hadn't been able to kind of gave up on the state um for archery and first 30 minutes in that tree stand i literally had five bowls inside 30 yards and ended up getting an arrow in one so you know what i
0: you know what i love about that story and is if you want a friend be a friend and I've said it before and it's like, you know, like I was talking to my wife, uh, last night, I think after we got those tags, I was so excited. And, you know, I kind of was like explaining and I'm like, yeah, like, you know, she's like, Oh, so like you're, that's the same time as your moose hunt or whatever. And, and you were going to go hunt your deer tag. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I don't care. Like I've got, you know, one of my best friends, Um, who has Corey, who's packed, uh, almost countless, you know, been on almost countless amount of my hunts to pack my stuff and had no tag. And it was like, yeah, I could have easily just been like, nah, man, I'm good this year. Like I've got literally got a tag in every state, bro. Like I'm good. (laughs) You're welcome to come with, you know, but it was just like, it's just a no brainer. Right. If, if like it could get you a tag and like, we could go, you know, just kind of just hit the hills, you know, and do the thing. And so, um, and it's, it, it's just, you know, I'm always going to be looking for a way to repay you for, you know, all the hunts and stuff that you've come help me pack stuff on. And so, and that's, that's another good example. It's like, you know, you, that's the guy you are, you show up and you help guys pack their elk out and then, you know, they let you sit there standing and you are rewarded for it. And I love it. So, yeah, no, it was much
1: appreciated. And Jason's just a hell of a guy to boot. I text him the next morning, like, hey, check this out. Saturday morning, he's hanging out with his wife. Him and his wife drive up there and help me pack the ball. out.
0: you like, crap, now, I got, now we got Yeah, It's like the episode so, of The Office where Dwight and Andy keep trying to uh, <laughs> yeah, one-up each, one each other yep. and repay the favor. It's right. like, oh, let it's me like, get the door oh, for man, you. Yeah.
1: Just crap. Chill. Offered to help me butcher it. Like, just... Oh, yeah, you no. can just owe me one," just Andy it. says. No, <laughs> Dwight's pissed. Yeah, if you know anything about Wasatch, it's competitive as it gets. Yeah, Guy's but still. I mean,
0: it's the pl- it's the only place in Utah that we hundred percent endorse hunting, right? Yeah, is the Wasatch. Send it. It's the only place that we've ever hunted personally.
1: So. Yeah, I've killed a bull there last year. Yeah, no.
0: Well, love it, man. Hey, in these trying times, um and I'm you know it's. This is an interesting, this is just my little soapbox for just a second, um, on personal stuff. But, uh, I can tell you that my feelings over the last, I don't know, five, six months with everything and and you guys are smart people, you know, what's going on in the world. Um, my feelings in my heart is that now more than ever, we just need good. We need good in the world. And it starts in your littlest circle that you think you're in, whether it's just you and your family, or a community, or you know, your workplace, or your church, or um, wherever it is that you uh, have an influence on. We just need more good in the world, and so you know, that's my concluding thought. I want to give. Um, I want to give all of you guys credit because I, I follow you guys. Um, you know, I usually give my guests credit. Corey's been on here enough. I don't need to give him any more credit. His head won't fit out the door here, but, um, I want to give you guys credit. Cause I follow you guys. I know who you are, uh, generally, and I know the type of people that you are. Um, I, you know, I know the people that listen to this. Um, and I, I'm watching and you guys are, you guys are good you guys are good people. Um, so keep that up. I want to give you credit for that. And, and just, you know, any, anything that you can do to just be a good example. Um, you know, whether you understand it or accept it or not, um, God loves you and Jesus Christ died for your sins. And that's, I'm not ashamed to say that as much as I used to be when I was younger. So do with that what you will. And do not miss the next episode because like we started off, it, it's going to be a good one.
1: Yeah. I'm excited. I haven't heard it yet. So it's good. I've met him though. I got to shake his hand and thank him.
0: Yep. Yep. Good. Good episode with a good dude. Uh, last, any words of wisdom, last parting thoughts.
1: We're going to get through all this other stuff. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, the U S has been through a lot more. We had to close down a couple of restaurants and wear a mask and some stores, but like we're going to get through this. Yeah, people are people are hurting right now. Be good, Uh, and good. Yeah, just just like Dustin said, be good to others. Hope for the same in return. If not, just turn a blind eye to it.
0: It's uh, it's gonna be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, then it's not the end. Right. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.